growing to be willing helpers and making food and washing dishes and, and that sort of things and share the goals of their parents and join us in, in serving each other and serving others as well. Well, the family of God is, is similar and this psalm is an expression of people who desire to be used by God, not just to receive from Him, uh, but, but join Him in being, being used by Him in what He's doing in this world. Uh, we often speak of and, and pray for, appropriately, the, the blessing of God. Right, here's, here's a question to wrestle with today. Why does God bless you? Uh, to what purpose can you answer that, that question? How would you answer that question? If there, there, not that there's just one way to answer that question. Um, if you have question one of our, our catechism in mind, that's a good place to start. God blesses you so that you would glorify him right, and enjoy him. Um, so that you personally would worship him and, and become like him. But I want to stretch our thinking of that further here in relation to this psalm. Does that purpose of God for you end in you? Does it just terminate in you glorifying God and, and enjoying God and worshiping Him? In other words, is it just a matter of your individual relationship to God? You receive blessing and, and life from Him, and you return glory and praise and obedience to God. Again, this psalm is an example of the church desiring to be used of God to bless others, to see others come to experience the blessing of God. Um, and glorify and enjoy Him together. Not, not, not just receive from God like needy consumers, which, which we are uh, in one sense, right? but to see part of that transformation obedience uh, as joining God in His plan and His goal uh, for this world, to bless uh, the whole world. So looking at number one on your outline in your bulletin there, the psalm begins... With this request, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. You can hear the ironic blessing reflected in there, not the ironic blessing, the ironic blessing, right? That we often use at the end of our worship service. Again, we talk a lot um, in, in the church, appropriately so, about blessing, about being blessed. Um, but what, is, what does that mean? Like, what does it really mean to be blessed by God? What does it mean to ask for God's blessing? I would suggest that usually when we use that, that word, when we talk about uh, being blessed, uh, I was blessed, God blessed me because of A, B, or C, or um, usually we mean I got what I wanted, right? Or I kept what I wanted. I wanted this and God gave it to me, uh, he, I'm blessed, right? I, I got the job, I got the grade, um, I got well, whatever it was. There are many ways that God can and does bless us in, in, those, in that sense, you know, outwardly, things that we desire, things that we ask for, but uh, those are often secondary, not essential things, not things that God has promised um, certainly to, to give to us. And so I think most fundamentally, biblically, to ask for God's blessing means uh, taking the whole scriptures into account means, Lord, make your gospel true for me. Right? Help, me to, help me to live out your gospel. Bring it to life for me. Give me life in, in the sense that Proverbs uses that term. Or the whole scriptures speak of spiritual life. Conform my life and my hope and my faith to Christ. That's, that's ultimate blessing, whatever our outward circumstances are. But the psalm is asking for blessing, but it, it quickly moves on to the main request, the main purpose for this prayer, 
Uh, again, not just God bless me for my sake so that I will have what I need, and that's the end, but it goes on that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. And that's what the rest of the psalm is, is basically about. That's, that's the theme of this short psalm. The overarching concern is that the, the psalmist of the congregation singing would be blessed to be a blessing to others. Blessed to be a blessing. That God's grace and care and salvation to the church would be a model to and would go through the church to the rest of the world. Now that's not a... Um, and maybe not something we connect as often with, with the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, missions to the world wasn't a big part of God's plan uh, yet. right? His, his people and his worship, um, his particular grace was, was geographically limited right? in, in Palestine and within some proximity to the temple and, and the priesthood. And that, uh, and all of that, right? There, there were Gentile converts. There are a lot of them uh, in the Old Testament. Um, Jonah did go and preach to Nineveh once, and Nineveh repented. But this wasn't a, a major part of God's plan in the Old Testament. Yet it was all along the hope and plan of God through His people. We go all the way back to Abraham. This was God's promise to Abraham: how He was going to use him and his family. Right? I will bless those who bless you. Genesis 12. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. It wasn't just a promise of blessing to Abraham's family. And then God repeats that promise over and over again through, uh, through Genesis and through the Old Testament. God's initial design when he created the earth was, uh, of course, a perfect and good creation uh, covered with people uh, who were carrying forward, enjoying it, worshiping God, and living in fellowship with God. Uh, God commissioned Adam and Eve, right? Be, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Right? They were to fill the earth with people who were serving and worshiping God. And since the fall, the, the world has been filled with the opposite. Right? People who were ignoring God and rebelling against God and uh, exploiting the creation and perverting God's design. But in the promise and the coming of Christ... God's been gathering and redeeming people over the whole earth, right? With the goal, eventually, uh, of, of having uh, the earth covered only with those who are worshiping, praising, and enjoying their Creator God. And He's pleased to extend the blessing, that blessing of reconciliation to Himself and joy in Himself through His people, through you, His people. So Jesus and His his last words to his disciples, his famous commission of them in Matthew 28 said, Go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. God has a worldwide goal of the earth being covered with nothing but worship and serving him. And it's part of your obedience, part of your joy and privilege to join in that, to be used in that. And this psalm teaches us to pray toward that end to sing toward that end. Um, we ask for God's blessing so that the gracious gospel and relationship to Christ and the life that he gives will be extended to others. We, we sing, we pray in this psalm that, that people who don't know God would know him, verse 2. Right? That they would come to praise him, verse 3 and 5. That they would be glad and, and sing for joy in him, verse 4. That they would fear, they would re respect the true God, verse Verse 7. We'll come back to some more application, particularly of that, uh, later. But one, one sort of 
me broad point uh, of application, uh, side point of application here is this. Uh, this psalm teaches us to pray with, with a biblical kingdom-minded purpose in our prayers. Right? We often pray for things that we need, that we want, that seem, seem good to us. We ought to ask of God within the purposes of God. It's, it's so easy to ask, to pray, uh, to ask for blessing that terminates in us. Right? It terminates in no greater purpose than our own comfort or our own prosperity. Right? Lord, this is, this is what I want, this is what I need, uh, and, and that's it. Right? Divorced from the glory and the plan of God, perhaps, uh, even in our minds. No, no matter what you're asking for in prayer, the psalm teaches us to consider the purpose for that. What, what's the ultimate reason that God might be pleased for his glory to answer that prayer? Even in the simplest of prayers, Lord, help me to pass this test in school tomorrow. Not, nothing wrong with that prayer, but why? Why would God be pleased for you to, to get an A or to do well in the test? Just, just so that uh, you can feel good about it or keep up with your classmates? Or th- those, aren't, those aren't purposes that terminate in the glory of God. Right, Lord, heal my sickness. A good prayer, but Why? For what purpose? To God's glory or His work in the world. We ought to ask, not that we would necessarily verbalize these things every time for every request, but this needs to be the way that we think. Why would God allow you to get a good grade? For what purpose would He heal your foot or give safety on your trip? Something we often pray for. We need to come to something beyond, well, God loves me and wants what's best for me. He wants me to be happy. Right. How will the answer to your request bring, bring glory to God? How might, uh, more particularly in the con- context of this psalm, how might your blessing be used to bless others? Uh, I would suggest, and I need this challenge and reminder as well, that if, if we don't know the answer to those questions for something we're asking of the Lord, um, if, if we don't have in mind anything beyond our own comfort, some blessing that just terminates in us, we ought not to pray those prayers. Right? James, in his letter, uh, strongly addresses his, his readers, the, the letter of James in the New Testament. He says, you're not receiving from the Lord because you're asking with selfish motives. Right? You're asking just to spend it on yourselves, is how he says it. Whatever they're asking for, they're, they're asking for a blessing that simply terminates in themselves. God's people desire, for one thing, they desire blessing to be a blessing, right? to the glory and the praise of God and, and for the sake of others. Our prayers ought not to reflect simply what's, what's important to us, but what's important to the Lord. But I want in the second point here on, on your outline to come back to the lesson of this psalm that that God's people pray for the nations, uh, those who don't know him as, as God and Savior, and, and consider further why that is. Why, why would you sing and pray and work for others to come to a saving knowledge of God um, and, and a knowledge of his grace as a major focus of our life? Uh, why would you pray that, aside from the fact that it's, it's commanded in the Scriptures, but, but what is your motive that. There, there's three, three motives this psalm points us to that I want us to consider here briefly. So Christians pray for the nations. They pray for those who are 
are unbelieving in the Lord, first because they love God and his glory. They love God and his glory. The first concern is is that the creator, redeemer, God would receive the praise and the glory that he's worthy to receive. That people all over the earth, not, not first that they would get something, but that they would love God for who he is. And worship him for who he is. Look at what this psalm prays. Uh, interestingly, prays would make the nations glad, would make them sing for joy. Verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the people with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. The psalmist has in mind that the nations, the, the pagan nations coming to, to rejoice in God because of the rule and authority and governing of God. The judgment of God. Now think about it. Is is that is it the power and judgment of rule and rule of God that generally attracts unbelievers or that excites the nations about God? How about your unbelieving neighbors or coworkers or family members? Is, are these the attributes of God that naturally draw them to him? Uh, I, I think probably not. It, it's often the power and the authority and the law of God that, that is most hated by those who don't serve him. Right? The, it's the thing that's most wrong with Christianity, with religion, something that, that is to be escaped, right? something that's oppressive. So it's, it's remarkable the psalmist prays that the, the nations would come to rejoice in these things, that they would come to hear the, of the goodness and the grace of God and the gospel and the fact that God judges with perfect fairness and yet he also shows mercy by offering himself um, his own sacrifice. And it's, it's only by the power of God that, that people would be transformed and come to rejoice in God because of those things. Uh, the psalm desires that God would be known and worshipped fully, that people would, would know him and, and rejoice in who he is, um, in, in everything that he is. I think it's very much like uh, a desire that, that he would be known as he revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34. Remember that, that scene where God showed Moses his glory in, uh, on Mount Sinai. Uh, it says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That's kind of maybe the easy part, the part everybody likes to hear, but it goes on, but who will no means, by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The, the psalmist envisions the nations coming to rejoice in God as just and holy and terrifyingly and infinitely so, but also loving and gracious and slow to anger to anyone, to everyone um, who comes to him humbly. So your, your God is worthy of the knowledge and the praise and the joy of, of everyone, of all people in the world. He's, he's worthy of your desire to see that happen. He's worthy of that being your goal, being part of your prayers, um, being a, a theme of your life. The church doesn't do outreach, doesn't do missions um, in the way that corporations do or for the reasons that corporations do advertising or competing in the market. Right? The church doesn't do outreach to be 
to become bigger or more influential um, or just for something to do or, or even just because we're being kind first or, or first just as sort of a, a civil help to others. The church does missions. The church does outreach first for the glory of God who is worthy of the praise of the nations. Um, in, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, John Piper, somewhat famously now, you may have heard this before, wrote, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. He writes. But secondly, another, another crucial motive for missions is uh, Christians pray for the nations because of love for the lost, because of love for, for unbelievers. Uh, look at verse 3. It says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And the word peoples there, we don't usually pluralize peoples, right? It can be a collective singular already, like sand, something like that. But uh, here, the, the Hebrew word means a group, right? A people is a group, a religious group, a national group. And um, it, it has in mind, that the second line makes clear here, it has in mind all of the different groups in the world, all peoples, right? all of the different groups, all the ways you could classify people in the whole world. And implied here in this prayer, I think, it's not explicit, but implied is this second part of our concern to see the nations glad in God is for their sake. Right? It's for, for their good because we, we're concerned about them. The prayer is, Lord, let them be glad in You. Let, let them be glad in, in the true God, in truth. Implied in that is they're, they're glad, they're motivated in, they're, they're finding satisfaction in, in the wrong places. right? Lord, let them, let them know and be glad in You. And that's our prayer for anyone and everyone, whether friends or enemies or people we like or don't like or understand or don't understand. The Gospel is good news because there is bad and terrible news for everyone, for, for all of us, apart from God's grace. We all stand under the wrath and curse of God for sin. We're born in sin without the, the blood of Jesus received by faith. We're all headed to an eternity of, of punishment. Right, so do, do you believe the bad news earnestly enough to care earnestly that the good news is known? Do you believe that the truth of the Bible is the only truth? That Jesus is the way, the truth, the life? What is hoped in this psalm is that, that the people would come to praise and to fear and to be glad in God implies that they're not. Right? They don't. That everyone in the world is not praising and fearing God and finding their joy and salvation in, in Christ. Uh, they're in fact, uh, worshiping in, in, in a sense, something, something else, something worthless. You're either finding your joy in the Lord or, or you're finding a false joy. Right? Believing lies about reality and eternity. The, the church engages in the hard work of missions for the sake of those who need to know the Lord. Right? To see all other religions fail. That sounds harsh. It, it shouldn't. Um, Lies about God are, are eternally destructive. 
Right? We engage in missions to see false joy exposed and people taught the truth and, and they would find real and lasting joy and satisfaction. And that, that should we, we, in that we should reflect the heart of Jesus for others, not only for the glory of God first, but, but for other people. Right? Jesus uh, came, he said, to seek and save the lost. And as a man, he, he wept over Jerusalem, you remember, because she wouldn't repent. She was headed for destruction. He had compassion. As he was dying on the cross, he had compassion for those around him who were killing him or mocking him. He immediately forgave um, and welcomed to paradise the one who, who repented of that mocking next day. So do you have that love for the lost? It, it begins with people you know. Uh, it also includes the, the scope of the whole world. Uh, as this as this psalm does. And the final motive, letter C here, uh, we, we pray for the nations because of our confidence that God blesses through us, that God blesses evangelistic zeal and, and a zeal for his glory and compassion for others. Uh, just notice that what begins in this psalm, what begins as a request, Lord bless us, uh, is in the end stated as a confident profession. Lord, bless us so that others will be blessed. In the end, verse 6 and 7, it is God our God blesses us. He, he does bless us so that all the ends of the earth may fear him. The, the occasion of this psalm is, in light of the first part of verse 6, is likely a harvest. It's part of harvest celebration. Maybe this is particularly when um, Israel sang this psalm. Um, it says, the earth has yielded its produce. So it seems they're looking on a, a new harvest, looking on the blessing of a harvest, connecting that to God's ultimate blessing and purpose um, in blessing his people. Just thinking, just as God has blessed our, our sowing our seeds back in the spring and then waiting through the summertime, he's, he's provided all this, this, um, this wonderful food again for us. In the same way, he'll, he'll bear fruit through us in answering this prayer to bless Bless the nations as he's promised. These verses are saying God does bless us so that as, as he intends, as he will accomplish, the ends of the earth will fear him. They'll, they'll know him. That, that points us to the fact, too, that the work of changing hearts is God's work. Right? It's something that he will do and is doing. And that's a huge part of our encouragement in this. Jesus said, I will build my church. Right? And he has. And he is and he will. At the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow, in Paul's words in Philippians. Adoniram Judson was a, a missionary in Burma. He went and labored in brutal conditions there in, in really an unknown land. He labored for the first six years uh, of struggle, of, of sharing the gospel, of pleading, of loving people, risking his life, experiencing the death of family members. Um, disease, and for those six years, he didn't see a single convert to Christ. Uh, but in the end, God blessed his faith and, and efforts and his love for the the Burmans and or the Burmese or however you say that, um, with hundreds of converts and established churches there. I, I know what I lack in in zeal for the mission of the church um, certainly has to do with a lack of zeal for God's glory, a lack of 
love that I should have for those who are lost, but also this far less trust than people like the Judsons had that God does bless through his people, that he will bring the nations to rejoice in him. Um, Adoniram Judson's confidence was a confidence in the truth of Isaiah 55. If you want to turn there with me, you can. I'm going to read a few verses from Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 10. Here's the, here's the confidence that we have when we share God's powerful gospel. Isaiah 55:10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, uh, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word, this is God speaking, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out... uh, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you will break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign. It shall not be cut off. Weaving into this promise of blessing his word is this imagery of, of God watering the earth and bringing forth fruit and trees and, and all kinds of produce. God, God will not fail to build his church and he calls you to joyfully be a part of that. Um, you, his church, are the means by which he has chosen to um, extend blessing to the nations. You can share the gospel where you are. You can support those who do so around the world in the confidence that his word will succeed in the thing for which he sent it. I just want to close with, with just asking a little more particularly, how is, how is this, the desire of this psalm part of your life? Is it? How is it? How can it be a part of our, our congregation's life? Uh, most of you, or maybe all of you, are not called to some kind of missions, going to a far place and moving and that kind of thing. Um, but you are the church. The church is called uh, to that mission. It's, the church is blessed to be a blessing. Uh, for the glory of God and the good of others. So how can this be a part of your life? Just, just a, few, a few brief um, points of application. First, by prayer. Uh, the, again, the success of missions is not because of us, or not because of a certain um, formula or method. It's not in merely sharing the gospel, even it's, it's in the power of God. Right? And so we must pray for the power of God by His Spirit. Prayer has been said to be the, the power of missions. Prayer is the power of missions, and it's your privilege uh, to to use that power, to, to exercise it in God's name. Prayer, I, I want to emphasize, prayer is real participation um, in missions and seeing this, this goal of the nations becoming glad in God. It's not something you do because you can't actually do anything meaningful. Right? Sometimes we talk about prayer uh, that way. But it's something that we do as a real participation in the mission of God. You can pray generally um, for uh, God's bringing the nations to himself into his kingdom, but, but also specifically in terms of, of worldwide missions, um, perhaps there are, are missionaries that you pray for or churches elsewhere that you pray for. If, if not, I encourage you to start with, start with our church. Right? Start with the missions that our 
denomination overseas, not not because they're better or more important than others, but at least because they're more immediate, because they are your missions. Right? If you're if you're a member of this church, um, these missions, these churches in South Sudan and Pakistan and India and, and Japan that we pray for, uh, these are your missions. Right? That that we as a church through our missions board and years of prayer and years of following God's leading and the call of God on, on various people's lives have pursued to the glory of God. So know and, and pray for for these places and, and nations to be glad in, in God. You can just one really practical thing, you can sign up for the Global Missions Board's weekly um, email with, with prayer items and, and updates as a help to that. But then also, and, and I, I, I mean, I would even make this this primary, um, primarily, I'd encourage you to pray for Longmont. I pray for Boulder County or other communities where, where we live. That, that to the degree that we are blessed and our families are blessed as a church family, uh, blessed with spiritual growth or blessed financially or blessed numerically or blessed with, with unity or however it is, to that degree that we would be a blessing to others. Uh, we would extend that blessing of God's kingdom to others. Secondly, um, is, is giving. Another way to crucially and really participate in loving the nations, pursuing their being glad in God, um, is as you're blessed financially to, to be a blessing to others and supporting those whom God has called to go and, and proclaim uh, the gospel. Again, that's something that we do as a church. I think it's great that we do that together. Uh, as a church, we can give generously to the church with that in mind. And that is uh, part of what we do and part of our goal. Um, first, that our, our congregation here uh, would be a place that upholds the gospel and, and the preaching of God's word and worship and discipleship and fellowship and so on, but, but also as our church gives to the work of missions um, to the nations, to the other nations around the world. Uh, as we do, and then, and finally, just want to emphasize uh, again to to be an ambassador, a missionary, in that sense, uh, where you are, uh, where we are. Um, I think sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we read about the the nations and the promise about the nations, we tend to think, well, the United States is the base, and those are the nations, right? No, we're the nations, right? We're a long ways from um, where this was written. We're a long ways from from Palestine. Uh, we represent. Um, unless some of you are, are fully Jewish, which I don't know, we represent the, the conversion of the nations um, uh, as, as was promised. Um, so pray for people that you know. The nations are, are, are among us, right? In our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and so on. Tell them about Jesus because you love God and His glory. Uh, tell them about Jesus because you um, love them enough to share the good news. Uh, tell them about Jesus because you trust God to bless his word uh, and his gospel through you. Well, let's pray together and, uh, and then we'll sing to that end together from Psalm 67. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again uh, for your word this morning and thank you for the example and reminder of Psalm 67 uh, that you bless us uh, not simply for our sake but to be a blessing to others. And thank you for the way that you do glorify yourself through your church and through our 
um, prayers and faithfulness. And I pray that you would help us to reflect on that and trust that as we uh, continue to think about how we can be a blessing in this community. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.